This is So What Does Judaism Say About? Welcome back to another episode where we're going to talk about things that we talk about. I remember Rick Fox, with me as always, is the happy clappy Rabbi Mayor Beer. Rabbi Beer, how are you doing? Fantastic. <laughs> oh, do- I'm happy to clap it. Yes. <laughs> I'm doing great. When I think of hippie, I think of Rabbi Mayor Beer. Yeah. Uh, what does Judaism say about happiness, about our, you know, feeling good? Our you attitudes know, to things. Here's to feeling good all the time, you all know? Right. A, uh, uh, you know, a, the, verse, a verse in uh, in Proverbs, right. Mishlei. Oh, Proverbs, written by King Solomon. There you go. The, the wisest of all men. The one and only. <laughs> There's a verse in the 15th chapter of Mishlei. Mishlei, Proverbs. Proverbs. All the days of the poor person are bad, ra'im, but a tov lev, a person with a good heart, mishta tamad. Literally means constantly is partying. A mishta is a Wait, so we drinking say, party. So... All the days of a poor person are terrible, but person, but a person with a good heart is always partying. That's right. It's always happy. But not the poor person. Yes, the poor person. Well, poor is a metaphor for something. Ah. You mean that it's a parable? <laughs> it's philosophy, man. I hear. You're telling me that Proverbs was a proverb? Okay. Interesting. Yeah. You know, they, I saw an interesting uh, thing. It was, like a, it was like a card about it. It was fake, obviously. They said, like, you know. I asked the kid, like, what, you know, what do you want me to grow up? And, I, and, you know, the teacher says, what do you want me to grow up? And the kid says, happy. He says, I don't think you understand the question. He says, I don't, I don't think you understand life. <laughs> you know? Exactly. You know, no, you know, I don't know if that happened, but, you know. There are miserable, successful people and happy people that objectively we wouldn't consider very successful. Right, right. So what do you got? What do you got? Yeah, so we'll start with the Talmud. Tractate Sanhedrin, page 100b. That's where I was going to go. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously. I'm sorry for, for beating you to it. Obviously. Um, we all have the sheets in front of us. Yeah, exactly. Look at our messy little table. Yeah. The Talmud, you know, quoting this says a couple of points. Number one, um, a person who is poor, all his days are bad, somebody who's married to a bad spouse. Oh. A person who is a tovlev is a good heart because he's married to a good spouse. So it's Mishnah Talmud, life's always good. Right? Come home from work after a hard day. To a spouse that you love, who cares about you, that's your life, you know? All right, whatever happened to the office today happened. Um, but you can have a great job, but if you don't want to drive home, Ooh. that's terrible. Ooh. Number one. Number two, a person who is um, an istinus. An istinus is a very picky person. A person that never... Finicky. Finicky, finicky never, never can be happy in any situation, is a poor person. He's not going to enjoy... A fantastic dinner because the forks weren't placed evenly. Ugh. So, whereas a person that is easygoing can kind of find, you know, enjoyment in things just like, a, you know, the hamburger was delicious. I had a great meal. It was so fantastic. now that we've successfully described Larry David <laughs> across the board, what do we do now? Yeah. So this is, this is number two. We're getting an idea of who a poor person is. Okay. And the opposite of a poor person isn't a rich person. Right. It's a tov lev, a person with a good heart. That's interesting. It doesn't say rich. It says the poor person compared with the good heart. Right. A person who is small-minded, daito katsara, right. a person who's always nervous about things, is a poor person. A person who is a daito rechava, wide mind, is, is accepting, is easygoing, is a tov lev. Life's always a party. And the... Last thing that the Talmud mentions is a person that is knowledgeable about Mishnah is a poor person. A person that knows Talmud 
who not, not only knows the basic, so to speak, headings of the oral law, but has a wide range of knowledge, is a tov lev. His intellectual, you know, understanding of things allows him to be a Mishnah Talmud. Right. So, and it's interesting because the Mishnah is so broad, but the, the Talmud gets in all the different case specifics. So now you have no reason to be nervous. You know what the case is. You know right. what's going on. You know how to behave. Exactly. But as a, you know, this is certainly a direct meaning, but also metaphorically, a person that has a broader, deeper knowledge of how to live is a person that's going to be happier. Happier. Yeah. And then life could be Mishnah Tamid. Life could always be a party. Always a party. Right. If you have insight into things, you're equipped with the ability to make the best of situations. Um, and you're with a bunch of friends and at the restaurant and the food just 20 minutes late. You know that happens sometimes. You have the life experience. You know you're not going to let it ruin your night out with your friends. And you're going to have a great time anyway. And when the waiter comes over to you, um, who's just because one of his coworkers didn't show up and he's late. And you're pleasant to him because you know that there's nothing you can do about it. And then he like, you know, when it quiets down an hour later, he's bringing out extra desserts because you didn't bother him because he was going through a rough day. And you end up like having the most amazing time. Yeah. That comes from a certain kind of knowledge of knowing how to deal with situations. What stops us from just being like that all the time? That sounds great. This combination of Daito Katsara being small-minded and not having enough knowledge and situational awareness. So these wow. are these are keys that Talmud is teaching us to being not wealthy because money is not necessarily a guarantee of happiness, but a tov lev, good heart. You know how to deal with things. You know how to make the best of things. Um, and, and you know, there's certain families, cultures, communities that foster this kind of attitude of just making the best of it and just having a good time. Dancing in the rain, they say. Yeah. Even if you don't have an umbrella. I mean, I think, I think the point is you don't have the umbrella. I think you're wet. You're wet either way. You may as well get down. Yeah. It happened. And uh, when you get home, you'll, you know, you'll if change. You, if you like going home, <laughs> to your point. There you go. You know, but certainly from a spiritual perspective, this has a lot of meaning as well. The um, the Medrash Tanhuma writes that that God says that if you if you observe the mitzvot of the Torah and you're happy, then I will you know kind of give you happiness. I'll, I'll increase your happiness. The um, the Babylon the Jerusalem Talmud writes about an individual who when he used to go to the the festivities and the parties on the holiday of Sukkot, the uh, kind of like the divine spirit would rest on him because of the joy that he experienced at that event. The um, Mishnah Brura, a very important halachic work, written in the early 1900s, uh, quotes a teaching that the Arizal, one of the famous Kabbalists, said that he was able to attain a lot of his insights because he studied with joy. The uh, Sefer Haredim, another you know, important work uh, along these lines, writes about a, a Kabbalist by the name of the uh, Rabbi Yitzhak Ashkenazi, who said the depths of his you know, deep knowledge was because he was able to study with joy. So there's a direct correlation even to how much a person can study by how much joy and meaning they have in that process. Right. So how do you, how does a person achieve that through difficult life circumstances? That all, that all sounds great for the Sefer Haredim. Wonderful. Right. But about, what, about, what about the average Joe? So you know, the, what are we going to do over here? It's, well, it, and everybody wants to be happy. You ask the question, right? Do you want money or do you want happiness? Well, we tend to correlate them. Success in this country tends to be a one-sided conversation. And uh, would you rather be successful or happy? Like, I, I don't know if people are really dealing with this as much as they should. What do you really want? You know, it's, it's a funny thing. And, and even, people that, even people that, I guess, pray tend to pray for money. Even people that pray, pray for money. Instead of praying that they can deal with the situation that they're in, 
pray for me to pray for yourself to be happier, have a, a deal with the situation better. It's it's interesting that we're not really getting to the root here, right. which is get this good heart pumping. Let me ask you a rude question. Are you yes. are you rich? Of course. You're you, well. You know, there's people with more money than you. Absolutely. So, what makes you rich? Oh, because I'm happy with my portion, Rabbi Beer. <laughs> well said. Well said. It's not your portion. It's mine, and I dig it. Right, and it's just your place. It's interesting. You know, we were talking about it earlier today, and actually, if you played any musical instruments, and and you said no, but you would you would like to, and then we went behind the drums, right? And like, I can. And it's not like you can't, and like, as I, but but the fact that I, it brings me so much joy, like it's so rich and part of my life that I always say, my father used to say, you know, no one could take that away from me. No one could take that away from me. I was built up on that kind of thing. Well, I'm going to reveal something to the public. You really can play. Rabbi Fox is a terrible <laughs> volleyball player. <laughs> That's true. It is true. My father-in-law was varsity in college volleyball player. I didn't know that. Right. Most people don't. You wouldn't know to look at him. But, <laughs> but uh, you know. It's an amazing thing. Like, there's things you can't take away from. I get excited about those things. You know, I I, I don't care if the, the music. No one even knows. You know, I got friends who stayed in the bands and became famous. Guess what happened to them? <laughs> can't 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 say it on the podcast. You know, it's, it's it, what's happened to them. And they're famous. They're famous. They made it. Right. So so this is back the, to you. This is the Vilna Gaon's interpretation. We're on air. Back of, to you of this verse, taking all these teachings from the Talmud and distilling it into a message. A poor person is a person who is unhappy with his lot. It has nothing to do with your bank account state. And it is unlikely that anyone is ever going to be the richest or from the, you know, Forbes 400 list. There aren't that many people on the list. It turns out only 400 people can be on the 400 list. And many of those people might be pretty miserable. Might not. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know very many of them personally. Right. The end of the day, a person is poor is a mindset, right? Now, obviously, if you can't pay your bills and you're struggling to, to make your mortgage, you know, that's an objective problem. But within a person having something and making the best of it, so to speak, having that experience, which is whatever money you currently have, and just making the best of it um, and going to the library because it's free to get, uh, you know, museum passes rather than just doing any events you want. I know that shtick. <laughs> it's a good shtick. Yeah, but, you know, there's people who, who have a good time right. without having a lot of resources and, and become cultured without a lot of resources. Right. It's It's possible. And those people, you know, often have a happy, healthy, like just deal with it attitude. And those people are not poor. The poor person, the person who feels poor, who is internally poor because he doesn't have enough. Tight, tight. Exactly. Is the person who his days are always bad. The tov lay, the person is like, okay, that's what it is. We're going to make the best of it. It doesn't mean we don't have to try to improve or get more. But it is as much as this is the current situation, we're going to make the best of it. Is mishtetamid. What does mishtetamid mean? A Mishnah is, is a drinking party. You're constantly drinking. So what he says is the following. You have a person who's going through a rough time. He goes to the bar, and he ha- this is the Vilna Gaon writes. Not this exact description, but more or less. And he drinks a bunch. Nothing bothers him, because he's drunk. He just forgets about his sorrows, forgets about his worries. The problem is he wakes up the next morning, and they're there. But if you can make the best of your situation, you'll be constantly drinking. You'll always be in that You'll state. You'll have the effect of alcohol. Exactly. Which is... Mm. So then you don't need the drugs. Wow. Because you can create the happiness. It can be hard, but you can create that situation. You can create that, this is not going to bother me. I'm not going to let this get under my skin. I'm going to make the best of it, which alcohol can artificially do for you, but you can do that without ruining your liver. <laughs> okay, so, so you know, hilariously, right, America 
is on these lists of, you know, world's happiest countries. It's always somewhere around like 19. And then immediately we get to work. Why are we not number one? Which of course is why we're not number one, right? Because why are we not number one? But it's these, it's the, a lot of the South American countries, Israel's usually high up there uh, in the happiness realm of the, of the constituents of the. It's interesting how they gauge that. Uh, yeah, I wonder what they're doing. What are the metrics for asking, happiness? That's a good question. But well, whatever, smart people, I'm sure they've you know come up with something reasonable yeah, with no agenda. I'm not sure. But but here's my question, right? What Americans seem to struggle with this more so? We are on a we are on a lot of antidepressants. We are on a lot of anti-anxiety medication, more than the rest of the world. A lot more. I I, I think part of it is for some people, um, just kind of recognizing that objectively you're mediocre is something they, they just don't want to they don't want to deal with, and they will not come to terms with that and then need an artificial way of, of keeping them happy. I, I was listening to a lecture from Rabbi Avram Palm. Passed away, I think about 15 years ago. Um, was a well-known uh, rabbi and a dean of a yeshiva in Brooklyn. And he was he was mentioning that his yeshiva had a, and he primarily focused on the post-high school, but there was a high school. And there was a 15-year-old student in the high school, I was, let's say 10th grade or so, who kept on asking him, like obsessively, how can I improve my studies? Should I use this technique, that methodology, study this type of, uh, uh, you know, area of, of, you know, Jewish teachings or whatever it is. And after a while, he said, he asked him like, what, are, you know, why are you so nervous? Like you, your grades are fine. Like, why are you obsessing over this? Like, why are you calling a meeting with me every two weeks to do this? So the student told him, he's like, well, when the Chafetz Chaim, who was, you know, were the leading halakhic authorities and, you know, world famous rabbi was my age, he was well ahead of me. Right. So he said, I turned to the student and I very bluntly told him, you know, you're never going to be that person. You're an average human being and become happy with that or you're never going to be a happy person. Be happy being average. It's fine. You know, so a lot of people feel that happiness is in objectively excelling and they don't want to see that they're never going to get there. They're just a regular person with a regular intelligence, with a regular financial, you know, potential Without realizing you can excel in being happy in that. And so what, so the subjective is more important than the objective in this th case. That is beautifully said. What stops a person from accepting that? What stops them there? Yeah. Nah, I don't know. I, you I, like that I, one? I, I think people like I think I was going to ask you that one, Rabbi Bear. What stops a person then from, from, okay, so what stops us from accepting that? Because maybe I'm listening to this and I'm like, oh, but of course I'm, I'm not one of the average people. What stops us? There's two stages. One is realizing that. And then two, accepting that. That is, those are two steps. Those are two steps. They're, they're tied together because people don't want to realize it because they don't want to accept it. But I, I think for some people, the subtleties of working out all this are a little overwhelming. So they want to simplify life by saying, oh, if I just had more money, it would all click into place. It won't. It'll click into place when you learn rigorously and with much effort to make the best of any situation you're in. It's amazing. It's amazing how money makes us feel not average. It, it's a, nothing changed. That's, think about that for a second. That is a hilarious metric. A billion dollars means I'm not an idiot. No, still an idiot with a billion dollars. Probably a very dangerous idiot, actually, with the billion dollars. Very interesting. An average person with, it's interesting that that's a metric. That somehow we right. ascribe greatness. That's interesting to me. Yeah, I, I had this thought. I remember a couple of months ago, I was reading... Um, I don't remember why, but I was reading a options list of a car in the 1950s. So it was the Ford whatever, and you know it was, it was all optional equipment. So the Chromerator Deluxe Spinny hubcaps were an extra $26. And the 
chromorating trim, you know, all this like 1950s language, you know, tail fin on the back of the car was an extra $14. And I'm thinking to myself, like, this is all like silly. Like who cared about how much chrome was on the car? But then I'm thinking to myself, but from our own perspective, is the 11-inch navigation screen or the 8-inch navigation screen options on the cars that we buy really objectively any different? But we somehow think that that's a definitively better car. It's like the heat in your car always works. Seat heaters and steering wheel heaters are nice, but it's not really changing the experience that much. But we view them as being two completely different cars. You sound like a man who's never sat in a heated seat because it is... Amazing. Well, I, I kind of like the ventilated seats because that's, that's even double amazing. No, no, that, that's that, that's, that's a real thing. <laughs> I don't like heat. I, I you know I drive with my wife in the car in the winter. I'm shutting off the heat. But you know the ventilated seats are real. That's just that's 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 something you really should be seeking. Um, but you, you kind of get the vibes. Like in, in 40 years from now, you're gonna go back and look at cars. Now it's like then there's gonna be like. You know, is your car going to teleport in an hour or an hour and a what, half? What about the fact that it has to go from zero to 60 in 3.1 versus 3.2? <laughs> it's, that's crazy. Yeah, so I'm not saying it, the it cop, isn't a better... the cop cars in Dubai are Lamborghinis. That is verified. You, you've seen them. I want to be a cop in, 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 in Dubai. For Interesting. This, for this reason. <laughs> It's a, it's a, it's a, it is a monumental discussion. We're, cra- we're cracking open just the beginning of... What is an actually quite serious conversation, which is learning to accept who you are, what you're good at, what 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 makes you great, not what makes you better than anybody else, what makes you yourself that, you know, a geschmackiyid, a wonderful person that people want to be around, people like being around, this mishtatumit. I think it's an amazing, amazing um, twisting of my head, raising realization. I was going to say hot, but I was going to know what I mean. Amazing <laughs> realization to, to party all the time means party all the time, but not... Get to that place where things aren't bothering you, and you can sit with yourself, be the lave tove. I mean, people are gonna be people are gonna want to be around you. I mean, it's probably a self a cycle that just keeps going. Getting it's it's amazing. Yeah, the, to take this over to more of like a religious, you know, ritualistic type of viewpoint, the the Tanya writes in uh, chapter thirty one that a person's depression has no role in in healthy spirituality. The only time a person should be concerned over their shortcomings, even is when they're doing what's called video, which is like personal confession, when you're trying to like really scrutinize yourself to propel yourself forward in a better place. Right. But to simply like sit on the fact that you're not a perfect person, which could be something that is true, is not something that will necessarily help you spiritually. Right. Like if you're in a defined moment where you have to like, okay, I have to confront mistakes I'm making, I have to change them, then you worry about your shortcomings. But to walk around while you're doing spiritual practices like studying or praying or things like that and be like, no, no, my prayer's not what it should be. It's not It's not going to be a, a, a very healthy part, point, a healthy um, addition or component to your to your observance or to your practices. Right. He says that atzvah, like depression, is what he calls when the heart is stuffed up like a stone. Like it, it makes you cold. Yeah. It, it doesn't allow you to express things you need, you, you also, need to feel. Also, stones are heavy. You can't move. Depressed right. people, what they do is they- They're they, sluggish. They, they can't move. They have to get moving. And, and and it's real. It's, it's I feel terrible. It's a real terrible thing. It's a real thing. They can't. I love this still I can't move. But the point where he says that that if you're bitter or have a broken hearted because there's actually energy there, that's a better place to be in than just being sluggish and depressed and just right. feeling down. Right. Right. If you feel sad, that can be a more productive feeling than feeling depressed. And come back to happiness. But this, happiness is the, is the best thing to be. But, but one second here. The thing about happiness. This is a crazy sentence that I say sometimes. One of the happiest weeks of my life 
was the week after my father left this world and we did the, the shiva for him for that week. When I say happy, I don't mean I was clappy clappy. When I, I was joyous, meaning I felt like I was doing the right thing and I felt like I was totally expressing myself completely and really being in the pain. And only afterwards did I realize how not only cathartic but how uplifting that process was. Just to just to take it to the other side. Yeah, I, I want to take the point you made, which is which is I think the key to this whole discussion, uh, and blow it up a little. Okay. And that is the following: we usually associate happiness, and I, I'm quoting an essay from Rev Dessler, with a person filling a, a void or a lacking. I, I, you know, I wanted to get a driver's license. Now I got the driver's license. I wanted to buy my first home. Now I bought my first home. That's uh, relief. That's not happiness. Yeah. I want to get the beach house, and I got the beach house. Um, the problem is, so you fill the void, and then there's a new void. Yeah. You're, you're never really going to yeah. get to true happiness. Whereas certain things that make us happy are not there specifically because of a void. So if you're nice to people, it's that not, makes you happy. Not a void, right? There's no void there. Right. And he says, he proves this from Jewish philosophy, there's a basic concept in Jewish philosophy that God is not lacking anything. God does not need things. You can't give him food to eat because that would denote that he's missing food or he's hungry. There's no hunger. There's, no, there's nothing lacking in God's completeness. That being the case, there's an idea in Judaism, which is found in all the philosophical systems of traditional Judaism, that God created the world out of an act of, of, of giving, out of a, you know, benevolence. Or, you know, he wanted to create creatures that could find fulfillment and, and meaning and, and an identity. So he created, he created existence. But wouldn't that denote a lacking because if I wanted to give someone something, is that because I need to give? Mm. The answer is no. Right. You can give to people because the experience is a wholesome experience, not because you're a you're person missing something. Right. You're not filling a void within yourself. And this is really the essence of how to discover happiness. That's why you can have objectively a relatively small paycheck, but be like, this is the situation. It's going to be good, right? I'm viewing happiness as not a way to, this is missing, we're going to have to fill it in. There's a gap here, I need to fill it in. Because you're never going to fill in all the gaps, right. and you're never going to fill them in well. And when you finally get the Ferrari, you're going to have a headache, and when you drive 180 miles an hour, it's just going to make you nauseous. And it's going to cost a fortune to fix and take care of it. And you yeah. get worried about digging it up. Right. And, and, and your personal assistant is, 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 is going to lose the keys and you're not going to find it. And then the, the guy who's going to buff the car messes it up and the, and it's not polished right. And when you pull up to the club, it's like who he's the fry that, that it wasn't waxed right. Or all the headaches of the rich and famous. I don't know. I've never been there. Um, but I imagine it's a tormented existence. <laughs> In the Tabla Shachar, the, the, one of the modern positive psychologist, he's Israeli. Right, he should have just read Red Dessler, Right, he's saying that that we mistake relief for happiness, which is why also when you meet like myself, and I I got into Penn in two thousand and three, I went through Penn, but the the happiness of getting into Penn suddenly diminished over time. You see this with, with students at Penn, right? Why are you not as ecstatic? Some people cry when they open up the the acceptance letter. What happened? Why junior year all stressed out? What's the problem? We're 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 confusing relief for happiness. Right, but if you're if you're kind of life's mission is well, I'm very proud that I accomplished this. Ah. And I'm still going to try to accomplish as much as I can. Right. I am viewing my success only on my own terms and with my own goals, which are hopefully healthy and good ones. And I feel positive that I'm growing and I'm attaining them and I'm gaining more knowledge. And the process becomes something meaningful and not just the you know, definitive checkpoints along the process. 
Now that's a person with a true happiness. Now you can expand out of yourself and become a good person, a healthy person, and a moral person, which are all sources of happiness because they you've now defined yourself as being a good person. Right. You're not looking to fill voids. Simcha, You're looking to find meaning in everything that exists within yourself. Beautiful. Simcha, happiness, the general happiness in Judaism, Simcha, with not the Tov point, but Simcha, the Vilna Gon also says this is the happiness of a process. This is the happiness of... I'm enjoying what's going on right now. And then you're just totally Mishatama. You're just always drunk, pa- man. Always drunk, man. Always drunk. In fact, it's almost Shabbos. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, what are you going to be drinking exactly. tonight? Exactly.